Welcome to the Church Explained podcast, a conversation to grow your leadership and build your church today. I am the host of the podcast. Nathan is not with us today, so it's myself and our special guest, Paul Rice. Paul, welcome to the show. It's an honor to be here, Dave. It is so good to have you. Let me just share with the audience a little bit of a bio about yourself. I'm going to look at my notes here and just read a few things out to give our audience and our listeners a, a little bit more detail about you, Paul, for those who don't know you. So you've been, um, you're married, you've got two sons, a three-year-old and a seven-month-year-old. So that sounds busy to me. <laughs> and uh, you work for uh, aerospace, you're an aerospace engineer and you work for a US defense contractor specializing in experimental helicopters. I had to read that a few times, Paul, because that sounds like a podcast on its own, to be honest. (laughs) We may just come back to that. Uh, Experimental helicopters, maybe it's just a guy thing, and you look at that and think, that sounds exciting. Uh, But about nine years ago, you were serving in your local church, and you began to serve as a treasurer. And in there, you had an enlightening conversation, as you said, with your pastor. And from there, you develop some systems and financial accounting that really the church is still using today. And uh, so that sounds great. And we're going to talk about finance today. This is the nuts and bolts of the podcast as we go through. So, Paul, you host your own podcast called the the Mission Driven Podcast, Mission Driven Budget Budget Podcast, uh, whose goal is to help church leaders eliminate financial stress and generously fund their church's mission. Um, So we're going to dig in a little bit to that as well, because really, I think that will help our listeners. Uh, You play drums and you've been doing that for over 30 years. Well done for that. And of course, you've had one of the guests uh, we've had on our podcast has been in your podcast as well. And uh, apparently he is a drummer. That's Chad Hampton. So big shout out to Chad, whatever he's doing today. Maybe he's still in bed. I do not know. But uh, (laughs) hey, Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's it's really good to be here. And yeah, you know, whenever I connected with Chad, uh, and then shortly thereafter connected with you, I don't know, some months later, uh, you had mentioned that he was a drummer. And I, I had to give him a hard time because I said, Chad, how did this never come up? We have this drumming thing in common. How I don't know how we how we even got past that. So well, maybe maybe Paul, maybe he was intimidated by your your uh, your ability to play drums. Maybe that's Doubt, what it was. Just doubtful. <laughs> But listen, it is so good to have you here. And uh, as I've said already to our listeners and to those who are watching, this is going to be a bit of a nuts and bolts around finance. We want to talk about that because it is such a big subject. But before we get there, let's find out a little bit more about you, Paul, then a little bit about your background, your, your maybe a little bit about your faith journey, if that's okay. If you're able to share that with us, uh, that would be fantastic. Sorry, drop my earphone. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> there we go. Did you hear? The, did you hear that? Or do you want me to repeat that? Can you repeat the question, please? Sorry. Yeah. So we want to find out a little bit about your faith journey, and uh, maybe if you could share with us a little bit about your background, where you're living, um, and what you do for fun. Yeah. Uh, so uh, as Dave said, I'm, my name is Paul, and um, you know my background is I was born and raised in I'll, I'll say Dallas, Texas. Most of your listeners probably know where that is. Uh, Dallas, Texas, born and raised here, and um, uh, family was very, very involved in church uh, very early on. They, uh, my dad served as the prayer partner, prayer team kind of head guy. My mom played piano for the worship team forever and ever, and so I kind of grew up in this church type environment. 
uh, really came into my own faith um, later on in high school and in early college years and began, you know, becoming heavily involved myself, played drums in high school and college for the worship bands, played some gigs on the side. And um, yeah, went to college, had a great church experience there. I went for my degree in mechanical engineering and I love every second of it. I was one of those guys that kind of knew what he wanted to do uh, by about freshman year of high school. I knew I was going to do engineering, just didn't know what. And uh, was heavily involved there at the, at the uh, church and college, played drums for them, uh, did some leadership things on the side there, small groups, things like that. And when I got home, I was look, when I got home from college, was looking for a church. My pastor, my current pastor, turns out we were actually uh, elementary school uh, compatriots. Um, he was a grade or two ahead of me, uh, so we didn't spend a lot of time together, but we knew of each other. And of course, we all went to the same church as well. So my parents found him on Facebook. He's starting a church. He's planting this church. Uh, 25 years old, and I'm 22 or 21. Pretty young, pretty young crew. And so uh, I show up there the second week in the building. They uh, were in a house previously for about nine months, and then started renting a facility once they got outgrew the house. So I showed up there on the second week, and uh, I remember praying. Uh, you know, asking God to help me find a church that I could plant, be planted in, uh, stay at and help. And I felt the Holy Spirit just there in that moment during worship time. He said, I want you to serve here and I want you to, you know, give all of your expertise that you can give, be as much help to these folks as you can. And so that started a now 10 some odd year, 11 some odd year relationship uh, with Revive Church in Arlington, Texas and uh, Pastor Stephen Kilgore grateful to you for developing me and uh, just being a leader uh, that I'm proud to follow and uh, continue to gain increasing responsibility. Uh, that conversation that you mentioned uh, in, in the bio there, I just want yeah, to tell yeah. the story real quick. Go for it. So I, at work, I had been, uh, I had moved over into a, a project manager type of role and managing some multi-million dollar contracts at this defense contractor. And I remember having this conversation uh, with Pastor Stephen, and he was talking about uh, the very first Easter uh, that we had there at Revive, uh, he had this brilliant idea uh, to uh, put a radio ad out there on a very popular uh, rock uh, radio station called Kiss FM uh, here, mm -hmm. in, here in Dallas. And the idea was that, you know, we'd put this ad out there for Easter and it would, you know, help to reach people who, you know, might not normally be coming to church or maybe were de-churched, things like that. So uh, the result of that radio ad was one person showed up from that radio ad and it turns out they already knew Jesus. They already had a church they belonged to. They just heard the, they just yeah. heard the radio ad and said, Oh, well, I'll go check that church out. And then they never came back. Uh, so here was the kicker though. That radio ad costs $3,000, which it turns out was the vast majority of the savings that the church had at the time. Uh, and the radio ad was about three seconds long and it said something like revive church Easter. And so the radio ad would loop, I don't know, once every several hours for about a week. <laughs> and uh, so that sparked a conversation. I said, you know, maybe we need a budget here at the church. And uh, uh, my experience with project management and, you know, managing lots of manpower and money uh, at work, I said, I think, you know, I don't have a finance background per se, but I think we could put something together here. And so began serving as the treasurer at that point. And uh, again, like you said, developed a lot of the systems and the accounting things that we're using today and uh, continuing to build upon that. I mean, we can talk about some of that a little bit later, but uh, that's yeah, how I got involved as the treasurer. That's how I that's how I got to revive and um, and so yeah. 
Brilliant. Hey, well, thanks for sharing a little bit about your story there. And, and before we sort of get into the nuts and bolts of the conversation around finance and budgeting and systems, because in one sense, it doesn't sound that sexy for people, but, you know, we, we really want people to stay on today because it is the, it is the stuff that we all need to talk about. We all need to be aware of. Yep. But before we get to there, you've mentioned drums. You do that. Uh, what else do you do for fun? Anything else? I really enjoy the podcasting. Uh, it has yeah, really yeah, yeah. Al- allowed me to expand a lot of my connections. I've yeah. met people that I never thought I would meet, uh, people that I didn't know, people that I do know that I've heard of. And uh, that's really helped me to stay curious, to stay interested in other people. I don't know if maybe your listeners have heard the phrase, uh, if you want people to be interested in you, you know, be interested in other people. Stop trying to be interesting right. and actually start being interested in what other people are about, what, what are they doing. And a lot of lessons learned out of podcasting, persistence. If anybody's a podcaster listening, the thing called pod fade, uh, where after about yeah. seven or eight episodes, the pressure really is on. You start running out of guests. You start running out of things to talk about, learning to push through that. Uh, so I really enjoy the podcasting side of the, of the house as well. Yeah, I, and it's great to have a fellow podcaster on. We don't often get that. So it is great to have someone who has uh, a similar experience. And uh, yeah. I, I hadn't heard of that term actually, um, but I did experience that. We did experience that after we had done our first number of podcasts. Yep. And you're thinking, okay, well, well, what's next? But here we are. We, we're now on season three of our podcast. And I think we've probably done about close to 60 podcasts. So it, it's wow. hard to believe. Congratulations. We've, we've got that far. But come on, tell us a little bit more about your podcast. I know we've mentioned it. I've mentioned it in the bio. But tell us a little bit more about your podcast, its purpose and uh and I guess your passion behind it. Yeah. So the podcast started out of a passion project that's still on work. It started out as a book. It may become an online course. Uh, we'll see how things shake out. But as I was learning the finance background and pieces to actually running a church budget and managing the finances and accounting, uh, I discovered that there were shockingly few uh, easily accessible resources out there in the public domain. Mm-hmm. Usually had to be a part of a existing denomination, which, which we were not. Uh, we were independent at the time. And I was asking lots of questions, just talking to anybody that I could find who might have some information on how to do this properly, handle the finance piece. And uh, there just seemed to be lots of limited resources. You'd go online, you'd look up how to do church finances, and you'd get a blog that says five tips for a better budget or uh, uh, 10 things that your church needs to track in your expenses. I'm like, okay, that's fine and everything, but but how do I, how do I go about doing this? What, is, what are some best practices? And so I just found the content that was available lacking, uh, even still today. I did some searches the other day. Uh, just, I think I found one actual online course that deals anything with church mm. finances. And so it's, um, and so I said, you know, I think I could take the experiences that I've had at Revive, piece those together. Let's, cr- let's curate something that could actually help church planters and small churches who might not have that finance background using the, mm. uh, the skills that I've gained over the last nine, 10 years. And maybe let's see about putting that out there. So I started doing interviews uh, with people with the intention of, of, of starting a book project. And as I did these interviews, I discovered that, you know, uh, the conversations that I'm having could really benefit, I think, other pastors. I wasn't sure how it was going to go, uh, uh, how it was going to go at first. And so I said, well, what would it take to launch a podcast, launch the podcast and, uh, have gotten some very f- positive feedback, um, especially in the last 10 or so episodes as we really dig into the conversations that are just not really being had in the public domain that I can see. If you go through any number of podcasts out there, there's not a whole lot that are covering Mm -hmm. the 
very specific finance, accounting, budgeting type topics uh, that were that were covering on the podcast. And so I felt like it was a, a pretty niche space um, that I could tap into and just try to provide a resource to pastors who are feeling that financial stress, who are feeling the overwhelm and who might yeah. feel like, I just don't have enough giving coming in or why are we always over budget? Just trying to help bring some clarity and uh, shine a light on an area that maybe just doesn't get talked about too much. So yeah, I wanted to have those conversations that I just I just didn't see happening in the public domain. And and you know, really that kind of intuition has been validated a number of times because as I talk with people and my guests on the podcast, many whom many of whom are pastors and former church planters, and I asked them, you know, what was your experience about budgeting? The number one answer that has always come back was, Well, we just had to figure it out. Yeah, and I'm yeah. going, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a curated set of information <laughs> that we can hand to people instead of them just doing what I did, having to ask questions, having to figure out on my own. Um, and, and so I'm continuing the podcast in that light. And again, maybe looking towards a book or an online course in the near future. Oh, well, that's good. It's good. It's come out of a sort of passion project for you. And I think there's something, you know, even a bit of a side note that leaders can learn from that or other people listening. And, you know, if you have a passion for something, it is worth exploring. And, and having a go at it. So as we think about finances, um, what do you think is a healthy way for church leaders to think about money? Yeah, so I saw that question from me. I wrote down a little blurb here and we can unpack this. I said, money is an investment tool that God has entrusted us with. Mm. And uh, when we actually think of it this way, there's some very positive behaviors that come out of this. Uh, and so we're just gonna break the statement out here a little bit. First of all, uh, you know, that God has entrusted us with, you know, we should be treating money as if it's God's resource um, that he's given to us to steward. Um, you know, when people give, it's an act of worship mm -hmm. and they're not giving to the local church. They are giving to God through the local church and having that mindset shift, I think, as leaders and, and pastors and, and church leaders uh, really helps us to grasp, hey, this is not our money. And it is mm. our responsibility to make sure that we are using it in the wisest way possible. Uh, I always go back to the parable of the talents, which is which is a great a great biblical illustration of that. And you know, it is dealing strictly with money, although Jesus relates to the kingdom of God and there's spiritual pieces there as well. But we deal with money every day in church. People are so surprised yeah. when things cost money, and they go, "I thought churches." Uh, you know, the light bill was free and you're like, no, it's not. Mm -hmm. So we have, we have to be able to steward that uh, as, 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 as well as possible. Uh, the second piece is the investment piece. You know, we don't spend money at church. We should be investing money mm. with intentionality, uh, not just, oh, wow, that church down the street did something that was really cool. Hey, let's try that. Uh, let's take a second and just stop and think about what are we about to invest this money into. There's really a nice paradigm shift that occurs when you stop thinking about money as something to spend and thinking of it as something to invest. Mm -hmm. And that brings us to the kind of the third piece um, of how I think about money in church is an investment demands a return on that investment. If you have, if you're a pastor and you have a stock brokerage account or you have a retirement account, you're making sure that that retirement account is actually generating a return on the money that you're putting in there, right? Maybe you're checking yeah. it monthly, once a quarter, something like that, but you're looking at it on a regular basis to make sure that it's actually doing what you've put that money in there to do, which is to grow. I think the same thing should be expected, maybe even to a higher extent with the money that God has entrusted us to invest. And so when we are investing our money into an event or we're investing our money into a ministry, 
that investment should demand a return, just as the master in the parable of the talents demanded mm -hmm. a return from the servants that were investing and working with his money. And of course, what happened to the guy that just buried it in the ground? You know, he was kicked out, gnashing of teeth, all that kind of yeah. stuff. But the ones who actually generated the return on the investment by working and stewarding the money that they were given, they were the ones that were, they were blessed. And then, in fact, they were given even more to steward and to, uh, and to work and to make a return on investment. So really those three behaviors, I think, come out of this idea of thinking of money as God's and thinking of it instead of terms of spending, but thinking of it in terms of investing. Mm. Yeah, some some great insights there. I, I, I like that idea around investing rather than spending. I've heard that people say, you know, that is as, as well as time as well. You know, we, we not that we should spend time, but we should invest time right. with people. So there's something there. Let's dig in a little bit, though, Paul, because when we think of this idea of investing for a return in church, yep. um, uh, it's trying to work out high. I'm trying to think in, in, in my mind, right? How do we really get that return? Because let's say, for example, like a, your church leaders say, well, okay, we're going to put on a project, we're going to do a mission, we're going to do something. They invest their money. Like, what's the return they're looking for? Let, let's say they're, they're looking for many people to join the church. Going back to your first example, uh, one person turns up, they already have faith. Yep. So how, how do we measure that? What can we, what's the other symbols do you think that we can help people think through of how they should approach that investment and look for that return. Yeah, absolutely. And to go back to that first example, yeah, based on the math, if you do it strictly by the math, we had a 0% return on investment. And the reason for that is, and I think this is going to speak to the question that you're asking here. The reason for that is, is the metric or the desired measurement that we set up at the beginning was to get people who did not know God into church to get people who, you know, maybe were far from God. Maybe they went to church as a kid or something. Mm. They, they've been de-churched uh, in the doors for Easter so we can preach the gospel to them. Uh, we had one person show up. That person already knew Jesus, already had a church. So by that measurement, by that metric, we had a 0% return on investment. And so I think it really comes down to uh, your listeners and other church leaders. What are you wanting to accomplish with the money that you're about to invest? And the reason I ask that question is because there's a number of different things that we invest money into at church mm -hmm. that have different types of return on that investment. Uh, yeah. You might invest money into a, uh, a giving campaign through social media, through ads, uh, spending money to do an event dinner at your church. And the goal might be to uh, increase your overall year's giving by an additional 10%. So thereby that measurement of the return on investment would be that return on the money that you are expecting, uh, that you're expecting to receive out of the investment that you've made into the, the dinner or the social media ads, things like that. Conversely, if you are trying to get more people to come in your door, uh, and you do a, you spend money and invest into invitation cards, for example, and you spend, I don't know, a thousand dollars on invitation cards, yeah. you're going to measure your return on investment by tracking guests that show up. Uh, tracking not only guests that show up, but how many actually stay, how many people are getting engaged. If you have some kind of a, a growth track or you have some kind of an assimilation process, uh, tracking how many people, if you do small groups or whatever you might call them, uh, how many people mm -hmm. are joining those, how many people are volunteering. 
And so that really brings up the importance of metrics inside of yeah. your church organization. Mm -hmm. I, I know that some people get a little bit hung up on that. Well, church isn't about the numbers. It's all about the people and life change. And I'm like, I get it. And, and you're, you're right. At, at the end of the day, you're right. But how are you going to know if the investments that you're making are actually effective if you're not tracking those metrics in the first place? And it mm -hmm. comes down to very clearly defining before you make that investment, what are we trying to do? If you're just doing it because the church down the street did it and you think it sure. looks cool, that is a waste of money. Uh, maybe yeah. that's harsh. I, I don't know, but you are you have no way of knowing if your investment is actually effective if you're not tracking anything, and if you don't clearly define what you're trying to do up front. Mm. So, so may, may, maybe the answer is in that, as you've said, there is is around determining your win right right at the outset and thinking, okay, this is what the yep. win looks like for us. It's either, you know, financial increase, people increase. It could be anything of that. But I guess it's about leaders thinking more creatively and, I suppose, more intelligent, intelligently about how they use the money yes. that people give to God and just picking up a new phrase there through the church. I think there's something quite powerful in that as well, to have that mindset mm -hmm. of really investing as well. I, it got me thinking of this idea of, like, what happens... I suppose if churches get the money thing wrong, they're not thinking about it right. Does it kind of kind of negatively impact how they lead the church? What's your thoughts on that? 100%. The short answer is yes. And yes. even if they don't even if they don't have like a corrupt what I would call a corrupt view of money yeah. where they view it as theirs to use however they want, I I sincerely doubt that the vast majority of pastors actually hold that kind of view. But when you don't hold the view of, I think it goes back to the spending versus investing. If you're really stuck yeah, in the spending the mindset, it is to the detriment of your mission. Uh, it's to the detriment of the vision and the strategy that you have at your church. What is your church trying to accomplish? Back to defining what you're trying to do. And when you have an incorrect mindset about money, if you're trying to spend it, you will never be as effective in your mission as you possibly could be. And what happens is um, our mutual friend, uh, Stephen Webb, I think who has also been on your podcast. He has, yes. Uh, he always says, uh, you know, have you, have you thought about it? Uh, have you thought mm -hmm. about it in the first place? And, and, and we create lots of uh, what we call ministries. I'm using air quotes here. Um, yeah, we, we, get, we get the knitting ministry. We get the baking ministry. And those are great and everything. But are those really actually driving your mission forward in the first place? That's the question we should be asking ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so when we're just thinking in terms of spending money, we go, okay, well, yeah, we'll give the knitting ministry a hundred bucks a month, 200 bucks a month to subsidize the yarn and the needles and, you know, the space that they need, or maybe we'll buy them some food or something like that. But most of the time, those little side hustle type ministries aren't actually driving the mission and the vision of the church forward. Yeah. And so that means that there's fewer resources to actually drive your mission and vision forward. Mm. A lot of times what will happen, and I've had conversations like this, pastors will say, I just feel like we don't have enough money to do what we're trying to do. Mm. Okay, well, there's either two things going on here. Either one, you're giving is not where it needs to be. Or number two, or maybe it's both. Or number two, you are wasting money into things that do not actually fund and drive your mission forward. All the little side hustle ministries, all of the 
outside organizations that, you know, were somebody's pet project uh, 10 years ago, and you have no idea why you're still supporting them. Are they even around anymore? Where's the money actually going? And so I always challenge uh, pastors to, hey, let's take a look at your expenses and let's see what that money's going to that is actually going to advance that mission is going to drive those metrics forward that we talked about, Ooh. grow those metrics. Ooh. And, uh, and so then of course you have the giving piece too. Um, and we can, we can talk about that um, a, a little bit later, I'm sure, but yeah, your mission's going to suffer, or even if it's not suffering, it's not going to advance as rapidly as it could or as strongly as it could simply because those resources that you're putting into the side hustle stuff and the things that don't work, uh, is not going into the actual mission itself. Yeah, and Paul, of course, we're talking about uh, finance at the minute and all yep. that sort of stuff. But in reality, those side hustles are pet projects that somebody set up 10 years ago. They've left the church. They're not even with you anymore, all that sort of stuff. All those are resources in themselves in the sense of people resources, yes. mm -hmm. time resources, energy that goes into that. And maybe leaders do need to sit down maybe on a, on a, on a yearly basis and think, okay, are these still adding to the mission of where we're going? If they're not, let's remove them. Now, they're, they're the difficult conversations that sometimes <laughs> leaders need to have. Yep. But, of course, important ones, because if we really want to uh, have a return on the investment, then we need to be doing something about those side hustles. They sound nice. Sometimes we don't want to touch them because they may upset somebody who left the church five years ago. But actually, we need to be more, uh, I guess, bold with these conversations and uh, help us move the mission forward. So as, as we think about budgets, um, the best way for leaders to think about budgets and money, Luke, what, what has been your experience? What, what is a good framework do you think that leaders need to be thinking of? Whether they're setting up a church, mm -hmm. church plant, whether they're already running a church, what, what are some of the big key things you think that we should be thinking of as leaders? Yeah, and we can dive into this as deeply or as, as shallowly as, as you like. Uh, what most church plant and small church pastors who are just getting started or or maybe they need to overhaul what they're trying what they're doing financially uh, what most people will hear um, is kind of this generic rule of thumb uh, percentages rule which is important because it gives you some clear boundaries uh, and some guidelines to stick to and that's kind of the the 40 percent staff 20 percent building and facilities some people might call it housekeeping 30 percent 20 percent to your ministries and then 10 percent savings that's a pretty well-known type of formula. Those are generally considered healthy type percentages. You don't want to be too staff heavy. And so that's great. And at a minimum, uh, folks can start there. Uh, I would like to suggest and challenge people to go a little bit deeper than just that. And what we were talking about earlier, let's really give some thought to the actual things that we're investing our money in. Uh, and, you know, honestly, just because a church is finances is act is in the black is financially you know they're they're not hemorrhaging money that doesn't mean they're actually being effective as a church mm. just because you have you know positive numbers on your net profit at the end of the year does not mean that you're actually doing what you set out to do and what you're trying to accomplish as a church that just means you're really good at staying within your budget that's all that means okay. and so i'm going to challenge people let's go let's go deeper um Let's go deeper than that. And so I've been working on, as a part of this project, putting together some language um, around this budgeting and finance process mm. 
uh, that uh, that church pastors can maybe hopefully easy easily grasp onto. Uh, unfortunately, it's not all the same starting letter, so uh, you know it might not preach a great sermon. But uh, but I've got five things that, in my experience over the last ten years, uh, really need to be a part of people's financial framework. Uh, the first of which is to clearly define your mission. We've talked about this at length already. Yeah. What have you defined for your church to do? Is it clear? Uh, is it measurable? You know, can you can you actually measure those things? Do you have those metrics that you're tracking? Uh, and then past mission. Uh, I'm using mission as kind of a collect all bucket term here. Uh, gotcha. Really, when I say mission, I'm also including vision. Uh, how are you going to do, or excuse me, what, what are you going to do to make this mission happen? Your strategy, how are you going to go about doing it? Uh, the team that you're building around yourself to help make this mission and, and vision come to pass. And then, of course, the culture uh, of your church as well. All of those things should be defining how you are investing the money that God's entrusted you with. So we talked about this just a second ago. When you're investing into these side hustle type ministries that are not actually funding your mission, those resources are going to waste. So when a church team and leadership team sits down to think about how am I going to spend this money? How am I going to invest this money? It should be being filtered through each one of those things, your mission, your vision, your strategy, uh, yeah. the team that are around you, your culture. That should be acting as the filter for every decision that you make. Uh, I've talked with... Uh, a number of pastors on the podcast, one of them in particular out here in, uh, in the city just across from where I am in a place called Mansfield. Uh, they actually were running out of room at the building that they were in and just, you know, four or five services. It was just becoming unsustainable um, for, for the size team that they had. And they said, okay, well, we could buy some land, build a building, or maybe buy a warehouse and renovate it or something like that. They did a big campaign and all that kind of stuff. And what they decided ultimately was that while that might be important for the future, it's not, it's not going to as effectively advance our mission as it could right now. And so what they did instead was they took a bold step and they said, you know what, we're going to keep this building that we have, that small one, we'll use it as a you know ministry space or something. We're actually going to go portable again. And Ooh. in going portable, which is you know kind of... Um, uh, the opposite of what a lot of churches might do. They would look for this new building. Yeah. They, they would renovate the warehouse. Uh, in going portable, they actually experienced more growth, even in a portable location. And guess what? They're actually able to not only experience that growth, but they are able to now sock away that extra money and reinvest that money that they're not spending on building insurance, that they're not spending on maintenance expenses, that they're not spending mm. on uh, electric bills and utility bills and things like that. They're able to reinvest that or put that money away. So in the future, when building size is becoming a limiting factor for them in a portable location, then they can actually have that pot of cash. They can then go and turn without a lot of debt, actually purchase a building or, or do the renovation thing or whatever. And so when you have that mission clearly defined and you're really thinking about what is actually going to be driving this forward, that is what is going to dictate the trajectory of your budget. There's a reason my podcast mm. is called The Mission Driven Budget. Our budget should be driven by our missions. Our budget shouldn't be driving our missions. Uh, sometimes yeah. we get that backwards. Uh, we say, yeah. well, we can't accomplish everything in our mission that we want to because we don't have enough money, so we'll just throw it at again, back to the side hustle ministry thing. We'll just throw it at this thing yeah. and we'll say, oh, look, look what we're doing. Uh, we want to make sure that we're not doing that. We want the mission 
that we've clearly defined to drive the budget itself. Uh, the next piece of this is building margin. And this is very, very important. Any financial planner will tell you personally, hey, you need to make sure you have some margin in your personal finance. The same is true uh, for a church budget, maybe even more so, especially because giving is not guaranteed. Uh, you know, a lot of us with full-time jobs, we yeah. go to work, we get a guaranteed paycheck or we work hourly or something like that. We know that money's coming in. There is no guarantee that people are going to continue giving to your church. And so even more so, we should be building margin and space inside of our budget. My kind of rule of thumb is 10%. That's a number that we kind of set from the beginning. It's worked well for us. And so we have continued using that. I would encourage anybody uh, who does not have margin to their budget to really sit down, hammer out, go back, go back and filter those expenses through that mission filter, through the strategy and the vision mm. filter. What do you actually need? If there's no margin in your budget, let's build some in there. Uh, whatever percentage you want, start out with 5% if you have to and work your way sure. up. Again, I'd recommend 10. It's just a good buffer. It takes care of the emergencies, the air conditioners going out. We just dropped $25,000 uh, on, on five new air conditioners. And uh, the reason we were able to do that in one chunk is because we had savings and we had margin built into our budget. The margin we built into our, our budget last year nearly paid for those ACs all by itself. And so we don't have to, we didn't end up, you know, using just a ton from our emergency fund. And I want to take this even one step further here. So we have emergencies and margin is great for that. But something that I think people miss and leaders miss is that margin is not just for emergencies. Margin is mm -hmm. also for opportunities, particularly unexpected opportunities that might come along that will drive your mission and accelerate it even faster. And so we build margin not only for these emergencies, but also to be able to seize any new opportunities that we haven't thought of, or maybe that weren't mm. presented to us at the time that we built our budget and take advantage of those opportunities and really make an investment into something that's going to create a return. I'll give you a great example. Um, this was kind of emergency kind of investment, uh, all kind of two in one here, but whenever COVID hit, um, different states in the U.S. were affected differently, and of course, different countries were affected differently as well. Uh, we ended up shutting down for um, a few months, and in 2020, we had already planned on starting to do some online streaming, get the cameras going, and we were going to do this kind of slow implementation across the year to yeah. make sure we weren't blowing our budget out or anything like that. But again, because we had the margin built into our budget, once you know everything shut down here in Texas uh, for, for several months, we we're able to say, well, we're going to accelerate this investment that we were already going to make this year using our margin. Mm. So it was an unexpected opportunity to make the investment faster than we had planned. But the only reason we were able to do that is because we had the margin to take advantage of that opportunity. And so we threw down, I don't know, however much it was, tens and tens of thousands of dollars into a streaming and recording setup. We didn't even have to blink. It was, we need to do this. This needs to get done. We need to continue yeah, engaging yeah. people where they're at at home. Let's do it. The money is there. Let's do it. And so I've always thought that that's been a great example of how margin can be used, not only to solve emergency problems, but also take advantage of new opportunities that might advance your mission faster. Yeah, I like that. Hey, thanks. For that. We'll put all that in the show notes and we'll link your podcast as well on our site as we put out the podcast. So if people want to find you, or get some coaching or consultation from yourself. And, and I, I guess the great thing is that this can happen, um, you know, online as well. If somebody yes. wants to grab a Zoom call with you, you can do that even if they're a different part of the country or even, I guess, a different part of the world. 
uh, they can still connect with you. The genius of technology for us today. So, Paul, thanks for being with us. Uh, that is a wrap for us today. So, thank you to all our listeners for those who are watching uh, for being part of the Church Explain podcast today. Don't forget to rate, review wherever you find us on the Church Explain podcast. We'd love to connect with you and find out more. Remember, we've got also lots of free resources on icon.church forward slash open. Lots of team resources, leadership resources you can have for completely free as well. So, hey, thanks for being with us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.